Hello and welcome to the World Wanderers Podcast, your source for travel stories, travel destinations, and travel philosophy. I'm Amanda. I'm Ryan. And we're your hosts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the World Wanderers Podcast. This week on the podcast, we are super excited to be joined by Heath Armstrong. Heath is an Amazon FBA expert. He is the brains behind the motivational products such as the Sweet Ass Domination Deck, and he's the founder of Rage Create. And Heath has a really, really inspirational story. He was on a conventional path doing a job that he didn't love. He hit rock bottom within that and just woke up one morning and decided I need to make a change in my life. And in that process, he left the country for the first time. He traveled the world. He started meeting with people who were digital nomads, entrepreneurs working for themselves and decided that that was the path that he wanted to take. And a few years later, he has been super, super successful with his Amazon business. He has created a bunch of other businesses. He has products that he sells. He does speaking gigs and he's just a really, really kick-ass human. So on this episode, we talk about Heath's journey. We talk about making the decision to leave a job that paid all right, but that he didn't love. We talk about hitting rock bottom and picking yourself up from that. We talk about leaving the country for the first time and becoming a traveler in your mid-20s. We talk about what digital nomad life has been for him, how he's been successful with it, and some of the challenges, and so much more. So we hope that you guys enjoy this episode of the show. And without further ado, here's Heath. Welcome to the podcast today, Heath. We're super excited to have you here with us today. Yo! <laughs> Where are you joining us from today? I just got back from Mexico, but I'm in Portland for like four days and I'm going to Indonesia on uh, Monday. So yeah, I'm at home for a rare, rare little skip in the beat, but it's nice. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be home. And we're grateful that you gave us a chunk of your time here today on your four days home. I know it's always like a bit hectic in between trips. You've got to do like laundry and switch out your packing and (laughs) maybe see some friends, do some adulting, that sort of stuff. So uh, yeah, excited about this. Mainly cleaning up my dog's terrorizing messes that she has done a really good job of creating since I've been back. But yeah, the laundry is important too. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And so there's tons of stuff we want to get in with you get into with you. You know, you've got so many different cool like entrepreneurship ventures and stuff, but we thought a good place to start would be to back up and talk about how you first got into travel. Uh can you tell us your your travel story? <laughs> yeah, I didn't travel anywhere probably other than like the family trip to Myrtle Beach for the first like 20 years of my life and I moved across the country for like a brief internship and kind of saw a different culture in San Diego as opposed to like growing up in Tennessee where the people just don't know what the hell is going on, man. (laughs) And um, it opened my eyes to like the fact that there can be such a drastic cultural change in even internally in one country. And I started getting very interested in like what's going on outside. Well, I still pretty much ignored that thinking well, there's no way I can afford to go out of the country or like, how can you logistically do this? Cause if you haven't done it, there's like this gremlin that makes you think that it's so terrifying to go outside of the country, mainly just the people that I was surrounded with in, in Tennessee. Like, you know, they would tell you that Al Qaeda was going to get you in like Canada, which is insane. Um, obviously I, I moved forward and got through that, but I, 
I created a lifestyle that wasn't really healthy for myself just based on American dream type thing. And you see this a lot with people um, in the entrepreneur sphere or the creative sphere. If you get that itch that you like just can't possibly do it anymore, it can end up in a pretty dark place if you don't know how to get out of it. And so I woke up one morning in like 2011 face down on my garage floor. Um, my car was running in the front yard. I didn't have enough strength to get off to get up, to turn it off. Also notably the fact that it was still running in the yard meant that it probably wasn't that long that I, you know, before that, that I'd gotten out. When I woke up, I think it was like 11 o'clock AM or something. So I had no recollection of what I had done that night. And I had been drinking like profusely for pretty much every day since I could remember from like college. And that's, you know, it was a good five or six years straight of that. And I had a really rock bottom moment where I started thinking about like, what is this? You know, I have, I have this like job that I'm creating for myself that is supposed to make me happy where I'm getting a decent salary. And, and I've got this like house that with, with a TV in every single room like five fish tanks and it's just absolutely insane to think that like everything that I did was to put money into those material things to impress people that I didn't even like in my life and I wasn't happy and I started really thinking about that and it took me not four probably let's see it took me four more years three more years where I continued to drink before I had another really really bad rock bottom moment um of just like sheer on the ground, face down, pants down in the bushes type alcoholism where I pulled myself into my house and I had upgraded at that point. I I actually bought a house and I had literally four bedrooms and an even better job somehow. (laughs) And I pulled myself down into the bathtub and was like, how am I make a change? Like how I'm either going to make this change or I'm going to die. And what is it that I really want to do? And if, if I can't figure this out, then that's just going to be it. Right. And I uh, I decided right then like that I wanted to discover culture because it was like really just going across the country for a couple months was the most exciting thing I had done in my life. And I wanted to experience that on a much grander scale because I really think submerging yourself in different cultures around the world is the most healing way for, for your body, for your mind, for your development, for your creativity, for anything. Uh, it's amazing when you start to think like somebody different than where you grew up how much that can drastically affect everything. So I decided to pretty much just interview people all over the world that were doing cool, successful things and and just directly ask them what they were doing and how they were doing it. And I didn't have any like really means to how I was going to do that. And I don't think you necessarily have to know how you're going to do everything. It's just making a commitment to, to take that first step. And so I did, and I just started reaching out to people on the internet and saying, hey, this is what I want to do. Can I talk to you about it? And like the second person I reached out to was a Hollywood director. And he had just won the New York International Film Festival. And he was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's talk about it. Because like people openly want to talk about awesome shit. They really do. And at that point, I was like, well, I'm in. So that's how it started. I, I started interviewing people all over the world. And, and I was studying what habits they were creating what they were doing to make themselves successful. And then my plan was to, to absorb those habits myself, see which ones worked for me, and then hopefully build some kind of like system where I could leave my job and start traveling the world or maybe at least travel a little bit 
until I could save up enough or figure out a way to leave my job. And, and that's kind of how I started in a long winded ranty type of way. Yeah. And what was it that you were doing for work during that time? (laughs) I worked in the construction industry. So I worked in concrete, which is crazy. If you think about like the stuff that I do now, I was legitimately when I, when I first had that rock bottom moment, I was working in a factory in Lexington, Kentucky, measuring out concrete products that they put underground to control your sewage and your poo. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's insane to me, but like that's, I, I was doing that. And then the next job that I got, I was doing pretty much same industry. I was, I was driving a lot more though. I was doing like eight to 10 hours a day driving. And, um, cause I had like an outside sales slash kind of engineering slash construction management type position inside the concrete industry. And I was hanging out on job sites every single day at like three o'clock in the morning with the most interesting people you'll ever meet in the world in the haulers of Eastern Kentucky. And I, you know, I wouldn't change any of those moments for anything cause they brought me to where I'm at. They made me realize, you know, that I wasn't happy with what I was doing. And, um, yeah, that's, it's crazy to think about. And then, so, so during that stretch, you kind of got the idea that being more entrepreneurial, um, that was going to be kind of a way out. And where did that idea kind of start to come from? And where did you start to form a plan for like the, the things you wanted to do next? Yeah, the the planning was never my strong suit. Um, when I started podcasting, it was very interesting because the the second rock bottom moment that I had, I it was the exact moment I remember like legitimately laying in that bathtub and I opened my phone and it was the first time I recognized that there was a podcasting app on my phone. And I think it was like right when Apple put them on your phone, like mandatory. And I clicked on it and like the first thing that popped up was obviously an entrepreneur on fire episode. And I had never even thought about really being an entrepreneur other than that. I was just trying to do stuff with computers a little bit. Like I like to do a little bit with websites and things growing up, but I didn't realize the power of like the internet and what we can do with it, like as a business or as a creative network. And I opened up an interview with Amber Ludwig, who's now her name's now Amber Vilhauer. She got married And it was like this just fascinating story about how she went from this really depressing career to building up this internet marketing company despite having these like really bad self-confidence issues. And it related very closely to what I was doing. Like I was very insecure with myself. I was very unhappy with what I was doing. I didn't understand why we had to feel that kind of like pain and, and like just ordinary mundane bullshit in those types of lives. But now looking back, I realized that it's really all about mindset. And when she first reached out to me, I think she knew that. Cause like, if you have a job that you really hate and you suck and it feels like pain, like there are some really beneficial things about those jobs. They are creating a foundation for you to take the next step forward. And so if you can be thankful for what they are, it changes everything. And so she, she reached out to me and was like, or I sent her a message. It took everything I had. I was like, this lady is never going to respond, but I, I, it just felt right. I sent her a message on Facebook and she responded immediately. And I was like, whoa, I can't believe she's actually talking to me. <laughs> and she actually was like, I want to do a call. Like, can I just call you for like 30 minutes this week? And I was like, I, I guess. I don't know why you want to. And she called me and she just talked to me for like 20 or 30 minutes about what I was doing. And like, was like, have you ever thought about like creating something on your own or doing this or that or podcasting? And, and I was like, no, I don't know. I haven't ever thought about that. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to 
I'm going to introduce you to two people. And so she introduced me to one guy named Paul Kemp who runs the app guy podcast. Um, and that was a huge podcast back then. I don't know if he's still running it or not, but when she introduced me to him, he's just this English maniac who had been interviewing, you know, app developers all over the place. And I became good friends with him. And for some reason he just wanted to mentor me and he started mentoring me and like teaching me how to do certain things online and it was the first time I opened up to understand that like there's a giant world of kindness, you know, out there in the if they're not right in front of you in your town, you can find them on the internet. Like people really want to help each other. And then she introduced me to Hal Elrod, who wrote The Miracle Morning. And after I talked to him and I read The Miracle Morning, I was like, wow, like if I imp- if if I implement this type of like morning routine where I'm like positively reframing the way that I'm thinking throughout my day and I'm setting intention and I'm getting my exercise in every day. Let's see how it changes my mindset. And so from that point on, it's like there wasn't ever really a direct plan. But what I did know is if I kept talking to people and I kept trying to help people as well, that opportunities would arise. And when you fought like Joseph Campbell, one of his big things is when you follow your bliss, um, there's, there's four things that automatically happen to you. And two of those things are like doors open for you that wouldn't open for anybody else and doors open on walls where there weren't doors before. And that's a very fascinating thing because about, I don't know, 15 or 20 episodes into my podcasting, I started to meet some really strategic people that changed my life forever. One being the first coach that I hired. She was a nomad. She was traveling the world. Her name was Jacqueline Duplessis. She ended up mentoring me into creating that sweet-ass journal, which was my first publication. And she taught me several of the habits that I used throughout that journal. And then I ended up meeting uh, Jason Moore, who runs Zero to Travel podcast. He's like one of my best friends today. He was the first person who pushed me like out of my comfort zone to make a really big decision based on the businesses that I was trying to make and to shut one of them down that wasn't working and to move into another one that intuitively felt better, which ended up being my Amazon business. And then I met Jason Berwick, who was like just this random dude. And we had these Twitter Autobots set up that talk to each other <laughs> like they they were messaging each other and one of our bots responded to the other and I was like that's ridiculous so I started <laughs> messaging him and like this dude I was like he he was close to me like one state over in North Carolina his story was very similar he was in like the brokerage industry and he hated his life but he had just quit his job and he was like all pumped about trying to figure out how to sell things online and as a kid like I was always very fascinated with two things. One was writing poetry. I was very in tune with writing as a child. And the other one was I would go to like all these garage sales and buy shit and then try to resell it. And then when eBay came around, I was like selling stuff on eBay. And I never thought that that was something you could turn into like, I never thought about the future of e-commerce at that point. Right. But it was funny how that stuff started coming back into play because within six months of knowing Jason Berwick, like I was he was using me sort of as a guinea pig on his system that he had created for retail arbitrage. And I was helping bring in like my knowledge that I had been learning from studying all these people I was interviewing for habits and creating online systems. Cause I'm like a systems geek. I love that and putting those two together and, and eventually like within, I mean, I started selling stuff on Amazon in, um, I sold a couple things physically in like March of 2014, but I didn't really start till August doing the retail arbitrage. And the first month I sold, um, 
the tail end of the first month was like a couple hundred, but then it was like 8,000 the next month. And then it was like 12,000. Then December came around and it was Q4 and I did like 24,000 in sales that month, just all like immediately because I met some dude through a Twitter auto DM on, you know, with a bot, (laughs) like not just meeting those people, but like deciding to take action and move into those spheres and educate yourself and put your skill sets in place because I wanted more than anything else to move out of my job, my current position. I didn't know exactly how I would get there, but that was the start of it was, was the Amazon. Like I, I tried to start a couple other businesses in that process. One being a podcasting service, um, called podcast pal, which I shut down. Another one being a service-based website business. I think a lot of us online entrepreneurs probably have done some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, which I ended up actually kind of giving off to another one of my friends who likes to do that kind of thing to move fully into Amazon. And that's how I got started there. Yeah, I, I, I really like that story because I, I feel like it brings up that the power of the people that we spend our time with, which I think you know most people have heard that quote that it's like you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, if I didn't butcher yeah. that. Um, but I feel like that's a really good example of that is like just shifting kind of like the spheres of people that you're spending time with. And then it goes from, oh, it's it's impossible to work online or maybe it's maybe it's it's not impossible, but it's not something I can do to like really seeing these people who can, who can make you believe in, in your ability to do that. And then actually being able to like start those businesses. Yeah. Removing distraction in your life, whether it be toxic people or just things that knock you off track of what you're trying to focus on is probably the most important thing you can do. Because if you have people that are around you that are distracting you, that aren't in alignment with your higher self, you're just going to become them, right? Like if you don't have your own vision, somebody else is going to create it for you. If you're hanging out with the wrong people, it's, it's a bad deal. And I like in that process, I remember having to quit talking to pretty much every friend that I had and only submerge myself with people that I was meeting online. And it's a hard thing to do to shadow out your family and your friends because their influence is going to drag you down. It's going to pull your energy away. And when you start surrounding yourself with those magical people, it's incredible. Like it's like a collective conscious rage where it's like you gain more powers, like superpowers and you have more knowledge. And if you can't figure out a problem, it's like you ask them, they can answer the question in in the online, you know, nomad entrepreneur world. It's fascinating how fast things can, um, like the shortcuts you can take basically just by knowing the right people. And so I think networking is one of the most powerful things you could possibly do and definitely surrounding yourself with those fascinating, sexy people. (laughs) Absolutely. And so, so at this point, you know, you're making money online, so you've achieved kind of this goal. So at what point did you start like traveling more, becoming more nomadic and that sort of thing? So I, December 2014 was when I had like that $20,000 a month. Um, actually that was, I think that was 2015. So right before that was when I first went out of the country. So it was like I figured out a way to like make some money and I was doing heavy podcasting and I felt confident that I was moving in the right direction. It's time to go explore some culture. So I took my I made it, I took my five sick days from work that they give you and I paired it with my five vacation days for an entire year. Five yes. vacation days for a whole year? <laughs> what? Yeah. That's crazy. So I paired those two together and I got two weeks plus some weekends 
and I went to Thailand and Cambodia. And yeah, like Angkor Wat, the energy at that place, just something happened. Something shifted dramatically. Like being in that sphere of, there's no, you know, in, in Asia, most places in like Southeast Asia, I guess Thailand, Cambodia, th- those types of countries, there isn't really a concept of time. It's kind of like it's like blank o'clock all the time, right? That was one of the main things I learned was that people would wake up when they wanted to. They would open their stores if they had stores when they wanted to. They Their restaurants may or may not be open. Like There wasn't any like laws or rules saying you have to be at your work at 6 a.m. and you can't leave till 10 p.m. And that kind of thing really opened my eyes Like because I'd been in this industry where everybody works and hates – Like it, it's like they – they do everything they can to not be around their families or to not do things that they love. And then they just like talk about how much they don't have time to do the things that they love when they're working. And it's crazy and it's toxic. Um, but that was the first time that I, that I ventured out. And then shortly after that, uh, around that same time I set a vision, I was like, okay, well I've started this Amazon stuff. Uh, I want to leave my job. And, and I knew that it was a very metric thing. And I wrote down, the date six twenty two one six, and and I said every single day I'm going to write this on a note card and I'm going to write two things down on the backside of the note card that I can do this day to move towards leaving my job and to really focus in on 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 metrics of how much inventory I do I need to buy how much do I need to sell per day and things like that and I um, on six twenty two like. Within that next six months, I I sold everything that I had. I sold my house. It was like clockwork the way that it worked. I put my notice in at my job, which was the most freeing feeling you can ever imagine. I walked away from a. They tried to offer me a lot more money for picking up these new accounts, and like, it was really hard to to turn down. And I walked away from like, the career. You know that like you want that six figure career. It's right in front of you. You have this house like you're sitting in this position to, to be quote unquote successful. And I walked away from all of it and I sold everything, not knowing what was going to happen, but I just intuitively knew that I needed to do it. And at that point when I moved, that's when I gained location independence for real. Like I, I was in a position then to be able to travel wherever I wanted and I started doing it. And so I've been consistently traveling pretty much ever since. And and I just, the way that I set my Amazon business up, people might think like, if you're listening that, how do I do that with my products and things? Well, I was very adamant about creating a business. And one thing was like, I want it to be passive in a system to where if I can set the system up and monitor the system, then I don't ever have to touch products and I can make sales and I can do other things creatively because my real passion is writing and inspiring and motivating people. So how can I build a brand with that while this other thing runs on its own with me just checking in and so I literally, I literally just work from work from the computer, as you guys know. You're in that little fancy as well, and I can do it from anywhere. It's fantastic. It's it's amazing. And so what, once you hit that goal, um, had sold everything. Where was the first place on your list that you that you went and traveled to? It wasn't very long after that that I went to. So I went to Uganda because we met this these people at like a winery and they were like, Hey, we've kind of started this school thing down in Uganda. If you want to come check it out or something, and I'm sure they hand their cards out to so many people hoping that they'll say yes. And we were like, yes, let's go. 
Um, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so we went there and, and it was like Jinja, which is the second biggest town in Uganda. And we were actually in this little slums area called Masese. And that was just like going out there to this school where it's all these refugee kids that they're from all the different tribal wars. You know, they kind of Uganda is one of the countries that brings like lets them come in. And then but when they're there, like they just kind of force them all to one area of the village. And like they're just it's it's really, really bad slums. I mean, it's, you know, five by five mud huts, sometimes tin if they can find the scraps um, and a mother and generally three or four kids, some may or may not be hers and babies, you know, eating out of trash piles that are burning and things like that. And this amazing army retired nurse had set up a, an orphanage there and it had grown. She met a couple professors from the university of Columbia and they had grown it into this school that actually was bringing in, it had brought in over 500 of these refugee kids that had no way to get into like government schools and they were educating them and trying to get sponsorships for them. So we spent some time out there uh, and I was working with their computer lab trying to develop that so that these kids could learn a technology skill set to place them like really high above even the government schools when they got to the age of being, you know, fifth or sixth or seventh grade. And so that obviously a cultural experience that changed and shocked everything for me. And then we went to Cape Town after that and then Montreal um, Nicaragua wasn't long after that either. Costa Rica. I just got back from, from, um, Malinaca and which is like two and a half hours outside of Mexico city, which is we were, we were do. I mean, I was doing like plant medicine, um, ceremonies, which is another amazing place. I had never been to Mexico. I love that country. I love that country. Oh, was, was that your first, there? was that your first trip there? Yes. Yeah. Besides, uh, Tijuana, that doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. Mexico's incredible. I didn't realize it was your first time going down there. Yeah, definitely. And of course I go like my, a lot of my teams in the Philippines. So I go out there quite a bit and we work with them. So it's, I, I really want to go to Antarctica soon. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's on my list for sure too. <laughs> um, so, so you were talking about a little earlier how you've automated your entire business. And I think that I think that for a lot of people out there, kind of what you do, maybe what we do is kind of like, okay, this is like the dream. Like you can work from your computer, you can travel around the world, you can like make your home base wherever you want, all these types of things. Um, I, I feel like there's always kind of these behind the scenes things for that though, where it's like, you know, there's actual work that has to be involved with all of that. Um, I'm curious, like, kind of what your systems entail and what kind of that, like, that background work that you've done to kind of automate your business is. Yeah, virtual assistants are mega help. I I think that it's really, it's really hard to not, I mean, if you're creating your own business, you may be able to create a system that runs a certain aspect of your business, but there's not going to be a day where you're not waking up and like you're putting work in like constantly and you go through ups and downs that are really, really drastic. I mean, for me, it can be high highs. And I got to the point where that next December after I started, I did a hundred thousand dollars in sales, but that immediately two months after that, I lost everything that I had in April, 2017. Um, just due to a, a really, really streak of my business got frozen. I lost a bunch of money by doing that. I lost um, 
some family members all in the same day and my dog. And at that point it was like, is this system working? Like, am I, do I have to go in here and fix this now? And that's when I started transitioning to doing more writing and, uh, purposeful work. But the way that the system works with my Amazon business is pretty interesting. So like retail arbitrage is an interesting beast in the fact that like, it's kind of hard to get into now because of the way Amazon has shifted things around and the margins aren't as big as they used to be. So that's been a big hiccup and something that we've had to move into as far as like trying to do more private label or brand building because brands are actually worth money. And you know, you showing somebody that you can resell some Under Armour jackets you bought at the store isn't really worth shit <laughs> like in the long run other than the little bit of money you make from it. So I have a whole team of people who source products and we have all these tools that can literally just scrape websites and they match those e-commerce website products with products on Amazon. What most people don't know is that most prices on Amazon are escalated compared to the products that are on other websites. And people just think that you're naturally getting the best deal on Amazon when it's not, it's not really true. If Amazon is selling the product themselves, it's probably true that it's the cheapest cost that you can find out there. Not always, but if it's a third party seller, you're probably not getting the best deal because they're buying it from somewhere else. And maybe they're getting it on a sale. Yeah. But like in reality, it's just, there's a margin there. So we have people who scrape these websites and they put all the the metrics into a system, basically a spreadsheet. Those spreadsheets go to a buyer whose job is to go through the lists, um, double check all the metrics, like what's the ROI, what's the profit potential, how many of these do we think we can sell per month, how many should we buy, look at the competition data, like how many competitors do we have on one listing because Amazon listings generally have multiple sellers on the same listing, unlike eBay or some of the other e-commerce platforms. And they follow a certain protocol to make the purchase decisions. I'm actually doing that for myself right now because I had to let my buyer go because I lost so much money that I couldn't afford it anymore. So it's not always, you know, it's not always gold behind the scenes. Um, and then we have virtual administrative assistants who really just manage the whole Amazon platform. And so like all that takes time to implement. You have to learn the system really good yourself, bring somebody in, train them how to do it and delegate the task and then continue to monitor it. But the more you do that and the deeper you get, and then some of those older assistants become managerial type people, um, then you can pull yourself away more and more to the fact that if you want to work five minutes a day, you can. I mean, I've gone weeks without even looking at the Amazon stuff. If I'm traveling or I'm working on other projects, Sometimes I don't do it. And so then there's all these other service companies in the system as well. Like I've got a warehouse in Salem, New Hampshire that receives all of our goods. And for 75 cents an item, they receive it, they pack it, they label it for Amazon, and they ship it to the Amazon warehouses. Amazon stores all the products in their warehouses until it's sold via the Amazon websites. And then they fulfill those products to the customers themselves. And they also handle returns. So anything that I have to deal with is really just getting the product to the warehouse, which can be handled by a system and, you know, buying and creating the products and driving traffic and stuff like that. And then also just what to do with the stuff that gets damaged or can't sell and how to remove that. And I just have an overstock store from a guy in Washington that I ran into who just happens to take all my stuff. And then he sends me half the money for whatever he sells it for. And you're never going to know how to do all those things when you start. But as you just start, 
people start dripping into your life and it's like, wow, like this is a network connection that can take care of this little problem and then this little problem. And even today I was on a call with one of our Facebook groups through the Rage Create and we didn't know how to do something with WooCommerce on our website and we'd been trying to figure it out forever. And I just asked the group and then one random dude was like, oh yeah, here's a tool that will do it. And I'm looking at this tool like, damn, this was here the whole time. Like this is amazing. So just plug it into the system and see if it works. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And, and I know, so I've got a couple different questions I want to ask, but I guess I'll start here with, with a question that I think some people listening might, might have. So, um, you know, selling stuff on Amazon, doing retail type arbitrage, um, that's something that has been kind of around for, you know, a couple of years now. It's getting more and more popular. And you kind of mentioned that Amazon's making some changes that just make, made it a little bit harder. For someone who's maybe in that position that you were in in 2014, where you're, you know, starting to kind of lift your eyes up, look around for opportunities, do you think that's still a place where, you know, it's good to good to start as like kind of starting your entrepreneurial journey? Or would there be other things that you'd kind of recommend for people who are, looking to take those initial steps when it comes to taking on an entrepreneurial project? Yeah. So retail arbitrage, I would say not so much just because it's not a long, I mean, it's not a long-term play anymore. It's, it's only scalable to a certain amount and they've put in so many sa- like restrictions on new accounts. Like my accounts established so it's easier, but if you're a new person coming in now, they make you jump through so many hoops to just get that off the ground. Now it's, it's an incredible, like if you go to TJ Maxx or something and you, you buy some stuff, which I had done in the past, believe it or not. And then you send it into Amazon to resell it. Um, yeah, you can make a little bit of money and it's great to figure out how to, how the Amazon sales systems works to do a couple items like that. But long run, man, the best thing you could possibly do is start figuring out what kind of a brand you would want to build that's in alignment with like what you're passionate about. Like nobody's passionate about reselling vitamins, right? Unless maybe you're a doctor and and in that point, like maybe creating your own vitamins is the better way to go. And so I've really shifted my focus from the retail arbitrage thing to more of the private label thing. And that's how I moved into the whole rage create, um, thing was because I wanted to do something that was in alignment with my passion. I wanted to help people on a larger scale. And I figured out a couple really interesting things with like mind strength and how our minds are, are wired to focus. And I wanted to, to solve a problem. And so with that, there's so many people out there that have these like private label courses you can sign up for. And most of them are just pure dog shit. (laughs) And I wish I could say that I had this amazing private label course for you to take and you can learn how to like private label your product and get it on Amazon. I specifically don't have that myself because I've always figured things out by just doing it. But my friend, Matt, do you guys know Matt Costin? No, I don't think so. Uh, He has a really good that's set up and I've sent several people through it and it, it works. So I can send you the link to that if you guys want to put it in your show notes. And he has a paid version of that that you can move into. But the dude is like, he's on it when he's mentoring you. Like he, even with our launch of our Kickstarter, he's an expert with launching Kickstarters and then rolling that into actually building a product brand. Uh, it's, it's a really big opportunity. Amazon is still the biggest online marketplace. And I will tell you that if you learn the skill sets behind using that online marketplace, it's only going to expand into other online marketplaces. And that's where the whole world's going, right? We're moving into this incredibly fast paced. Everybody orders online. It gets to you as soon as possible, faster than you could probably go to the store and pick it up. 
cryptocurrency, like all these amazing things that are happening, there's unlimited opportunity in it. So like, I don't want to scare someone and say, retail arbitrage sucks. Don't do it. There's no opportunity left because really learning anything about e-commerce is going to help you if you want to move into that. And if you figure out a way to align it with your passions and, and what you like are really, really into, then you can make a brand that's going to work. If you're just trying to buy a bunch of junk from China and relabel it and sell it and make money, it's not going to be too many people try to do that and they fail and they're like private label doesn't work. Well, it's because you don't have any passion to make that work. Like no, you don't care about that, that photo prism that you just bought in bulk from China. Cause you don't even care anything about photography, you know? So that's, that's the problem. It's, you need to be in alignment with what you're doing. And then if you're adding skill sets like e-commerce on top of it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a no brainer. It's going to help you drastically. Yeah, that's super, super interesting. And definitely, if you send us the link to that, we'll put it in the show notes because I feel like I feel like it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are kind of interesting, interested in maybe like dabbling their fingers. Is that the is that the phrase? Dipping their dipping, <laughs> dipping, dipping their toes. Dipping their toes in the oh god. Dipping those big toes. <laughs> dabbling those toes. Dabbling. <laughs> so the, if you go it's to been a day. <laughs> His, his brand building workshop. So he has a couple of videos. It's if you go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash PL as in private label, it takes you directly to his, his, um, little landing page. He opens it every once in a while. So keep an eye on that. I also put up a site called FBA library.com. It's an index of all these different tools and resources that we use to manage Amazon and e-commerce businesses. It's, it's literally just a bunch of green bubbles with categories and you can click to see like repricers and account management and feedback and support and browser extensions that you use for Amazon and stuff like that. So fbalibrary.com. And then I'm also coming soon. We're going to be putting together like a really cool e-commerce type bundle. And so if anybody like wants to know about that, I've got a giant guide on my system that will come out with it, but then we're also going to get many other courses and amazing dudes across dudes. And actually I think female, some females are like crushing it more than any dudes out there on e-commerce. And I want to get all of them into this bundle and, and do kind of like a bundle sale thing. But if you guys are interested in that, just like email direct. Cause I could probably just share the guy that I have with you right now. If you want something just like to put your hands on and it's, it's, it's going to be, I mean, I'm going to charge for it when it's out, but I mean, if you just email me, I'll send it to you. It's, Heath at ragecreate.com is my email address. Okay, cool. Thank you. That's, that's don't awesome. send me any like shirtless selfies <laughs> from my audience. <laughs> I don't know if that's who's listening, but maybe. <laughs> maybe they you really, never know. Maybe they really like your voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So that's that's really cool. I also love what you were talking about with, you know, this is a great, that's a great way to kind of get yourself off the ground with sort of digital nomad life, if you want to call it that, or, or lifestyle entrepreneurship or whatever the word you use is. But I love what you're talking about with like finding your passion. Cause I think you're right. Like that's the type of thing that maybe you, you do that for a while, you make a bunch of money or you have like a steady cash flow coming in or you, you learn a bunch about it. But I think at the end of the day, even being able to work and travel, you're not going to be completely fulfilled unless day to day you're doing something that you love. Yeah, it, it's incredible platform. When I first started, it was like, this is amazing. Like you get really excited because you're into it and you're passionate about it because it allows you to leave your job. But 
if it doesn't have any meaning past that, once you leave your job, you know, it's called hedonic adaptation. You get used to that. And then you're like, oh, well, this kind of just feels like I have a job again because I'm doing this stuff that has no meaning. And that's really why I pushed it hard into creating like I took all of those habits that I had learned from the people that I interviewed around the world and I put them into a journal system. And once I put that out into the world, like seeing the way that that was affecting other people and having them come to me and tell me how much it changed the way that they view life, how much it changed the way they approach their visions and their dreams and how it actually caused them to take some sort of action to bring some dreams to reality. That was like the first time I was like, wow, this is so much better like than getting paid monetarily. This, this idea of helping people on a larger scale is actually way more fulfilling to me. And so if I make less money, but I can help more people, what is that going to look like, like in my life? And is it worth doing? And the answer to that question was yes. And I started really dialing, like pulling back on Amazon and spending a lot of energy there, but then moving into this sphere of helping people make bigger decisions for themselves uh, to move towards their dreams. And like, that's what I'm passionate about. And it's amazing the type of opportunity that has opened up with that since we did it. Yeah. And so I, I know, um, started off with the journal, but, but what's, what have kind of the steps been there uh, when it comes to getting started with rage create and kind of creating that business? Yeah. Rage creates <laughs> that, that was a really fun project because after like sending the journal out into the world and it's called the sweet ass journal to develop your happiness muscle in 100 days. If you go to my website, I think you can download the audio guide for free, just heatharmstrong.com and click resources. We, when I realized like what that was doing for people, just spending a little bit of time per day to like set their habits, like set your 100 day vision, set some heady vibes to start the day with, you know, practicing gratitude and smiles and taking daily actions every day that are focused in alignment with your vision and brainstorming ideas, kind of like the Altucher method, which will increase your creativity and help you with on-spot problem solving. And then minimalism, like the ability to eliminate emotional and physical distraction and fill that void with value. And then giving, which is that warm, fuzzy feeling that you had kind of as a kid, being able to bring that back by giving service to others or, or helping other people. And that, that's really true bliss. And then the power of affirmations, which is a section of the journal that led into that rage create business, um, on top of celebration and reflection and mindfulness and some other ongoing habits that you can put into your life. So affirmations, I use them a lot because they rewire your brain to think they, they, they basically rewire your brain to believe something is true, even if it's not currently true in your life so that when you're subconsciously acting in the world and not thinking about it, you're going to be more likely to make decisions to move towards bringing that type of thing to life. And there are lots of affirmation card decks out there. And an affirmation is something like, you know, I am happy and free and expecting abundance. That's a very traditional woo woo type affirmation. Like, Oh, it's great. You can say that out loud, but what does it really mean? Like that's kind of, a lot of people look at that and they're like, that's just pure bullshit, right? Rainbows and butterflies. It doesn't work. Um, it really does work though when you start doing it over and over again and you train your mind to think around the affirmations and then you make the right decisions to move towards your visions and your dreams. But with the millennials and kind of our generation, like we look at that stuff like it's, it's fluffy. <laughs> like there's just so much shit out there. It's, it's so fluffy. And so I realized really quickly that 
there's actually a, a big benefit to using affirmations to motivate yourself quickly inside of a moment. And that all of these people, including myself, like we're, even if we have a dream and a vision that we want to work towards, there's a hundred thousand different things that gets thrown in our face every single day that will knock us off of our focus in just a couple seconds. And that could be billboards or your neighbor like yelling at you while you're trying to work through your window, which just happened to me like a couple of days ago. I was like, what the hell is that? Somebody in my window? Um, or like text <laughs> <So> messages. <weird. laughs> yeah. Or social media. Like there's the world is built to distract you, right? This advertisements in your face 24 seven. And so if we are doing something productive, we not, we get knocked off just immediately. We open up Tinder or whatever the hell, like, you know, and you, and then before you know it, you end up on your couch with your hands down your pants, slaying a bucket of fried chicken and watching Jerry Springer. And you <laughs> haven't done anything like anything good all day. And I started looking at this idea that like, why can't there be things in the world that that help you remember your focus in just a couple seconds. We have all of these amazing tools that are long books in long webinars and all these giant courses that we can take to learn skill sets, but they all seem so overwhelming. They all seem so terrifying. They, they, they beast up that fear gremlin inside of us that, that inner dragon that we're scared of starts to take over and say, Oh, you can't do that. Or that's going to take too long. Or you can finish that book next year or whatever it is. And then we just kind of sit in this mundane position of fuckery that we'd never progress through. And that can happen for your entire life. And so it really comes down to how good are you at breaking your habit to hesitate? Because we really don't need motivation. It's already built inside of us in a mass way. But we just think we do because that's what we're sold by corporations. That's what we're sold by advertising. You need this to be able to function. You need this to be able to be happy. But in reality, we don't. We just need to be able to break that habit of hesitation to move towards the actions that we need to take. Because we think about it too much. We hesitate. We're like, oh, that's scary. That's too long. That's too big. And so – the first thing I wanted to do is create like the most simple product that I could that helps people make that quick decision and reframe their mindset extremely fast in just a couple seconds. And my idea for doing that was I wanted to take I, I over the course of a year, I found myself in this was 2017. So it was the year where I lost everything and I was really sick. So every time I was in like a really emotional battle of some sort of like heavy conflict or fear or something like that, I would write about it, what I was dealing with and why. And I started shaping those into a positive affirmation that I could use. But then I realized that just using affirmations is, it's not really that explanatory. Like why isn't there something that kind of helps guide you right after that on what you should be doing or where your mindset should be. So I was like, I'll just do, a deck of cards where there's an affirmation on the front, but when you flip it over, it actually gives you an extended kind of burst or jetpack of motivation to, to kind of help kick you into beast mode to, to tackle that problem or to make the bigger decision. And because if anybody is listening to this and you don't know me yet, I'm very unfiltered when I talk usually to the point where I get myself in trouble a lot of times. Um, and I wanted a product that like, I would use, right? Something that had some fun language and occasional profanity and dry humor. And it's not all woo-woo and butterflies. And so I wrote them authentically in that voice. And it's turned out to be like a phenomenal project. So we put it on Kickstarter. This one's called the Sweet Ass Domination Deck. 
uh, affirmations to motivate your creative maniac mind. And we put it on Kickstarter. We raised $10,000. I was in uh, the Philippines all June launching that with my crew. And our goal was like 5000 to get them printed. So it went really well. And we just now got them on Amazon, thankfully, um, before the holiday season. So if you search for Domination Deck on Amazon, it'll pull up. If you search for Sweet Ass, you might get some other cool things that show up. <laughs> including some like really dingy like 80s porn that I don't even know how Amazon has on their website but when I do competitive analysis I'm like wow this is this is interesting stuff <laughs> um I did put a landing page up for you guys if anybody wants to download we have these really our graphic girl is amazing she creates these incredible desktop wallpapers that are like space themed, but they pop really well and then they have a card centered in between them so we have a 10 pack of those plus the cards, like the actual digital cards that come with them, you can download for free. If you go to keitharmstrong.com forward slash wanderers, if anybody wants to check out the cards, because, and please do, because you're going to laugh at them and like they, they make you laugh, but then they immediately follow by making you think really deeply about the subject. And the idea of these is to, there's not really, we've, we just took a survey on all the different ways people are using them because it's phenomenal all the ways that they're using them but they're meant to like kind of scatter about like put them all over your house slap them on your mirrors put them in your fridge put them in your undies whatever uh car <laughs> maybe because, don't put them in your undies right or not put them in your undies um well, put if them, you're gonna put them in drawer. your undies maybe don't share them with other people <laughs> yeah yeah true yeah sharing them with other people is an amazing thing i actually put them on people's windshields a lot as like a pay it forward thing hand them to strangers um, but the idea is that like when you're in a day and this happens to everybody, it happens to me several times per day, something knocks me off my focus. I see one and I'm like, oh yeah. And I read it and I'm like, oh yeah, yes. Like I, I need to be doing this. I need to be more focused. I need to go back to that one task that I can do today. That's going to make everything else easier in life. And, and it does it in a really funny, just light mannered way. And, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating project that, I've really fallen in love with and with the idea behind the deck has opened up a whole array of new product ideas because now I just want to turn all of these ordinary household items that we have that are in our life that we don't even really we're completely numb to the fact that they're there but we still use them just because we need it we need them for something but we don't ever like actually consciously say oh I'm really thankful for you toilet paper you know what I mean <laughs> and so one of the projects is sweet ass toilet paper which will be toilet paper that has like bursts of of motivation on them to help remind you of how fucking magical and awesome you are and how how much um, the world needs you because every one of us has something to offer and every one of us that comes out and follows our passions and our dreams the collective consciousness fills that and we all get bigger we all get stronger and the world gets better and so if you think you're not worth anything it's complete bullshit and if you really want someone to talk to you about that I will change your mind so come so shoot me an email or something like I, I'm very, very serious about this stuff. And I was a person that was in a black hole of alcoholism for many, many years. I never made big decisions. I was very, very, very scared and insecure. I was in really unhealthy relationships and I never thought that I could get out of my lifestyle. And by simply making the decision to take action and slowly move towards what I wanted all of this has happened. It didn't happen at once. It happened one little tiny step at a time by saying, okay, dragon, I hear you, but 
I love you for your insane chatter back there. Just step back and let me do this thing, right? Like becoming friends with that fear inside of you instead of acting like it's the worst thing in the world. Because when you become friends with your dragon, everything that it's been holding out and, and holding on to from you and making you scared, it just steps back and surrenders it to you. And then you can move forward through that blockade and become the next version of yourself. Because in reality, life isn't about what happens to you. It's not about the beauty that happens to you. It's not about the bullshit that happens to you. Life is about how you choose to react when it happens. And so you can either let all of these dark moments, like the ones that I experienced, cripple you until you end up in a black hole of, you know, Donald Trump memes or or um, ice cream tubs or Jerry Springer and fried chicken and grease all over your hands with your hand down your pants or whatever. So you end up in that place, which I've been in. Or you can use these experiences to motivate you to move towards your visions and your goals and your dreams and use them as fuel. And that's the key. So how can you react in the moment? And we're trying to do things and make products that, uh, that help you react the right way because it's so simple and most of the stuff out there is just really complicated and it scares us. And I think there's a big opportunity for stuff like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I know just from listening to you talk about it again and from, from our prior conversation, it's such a cool idea to think about how many things, you have and you interact with that are just like really neutral but have the opportunity to remind you of kind of your values or you know draw you back into the present moment connect to something like that so uh, i absolutely love that idea and um for all the listeners heath had sent us a domination deck and we've got it waiting for us back home and i'm really excited to check it out when we get back there yeah one yeah. of the few copies in Canada. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, so I have one last question for you. And this is kind of, I guess, sort of going back a little bit in your story. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious just to kind of tie it all back to travel. Like as somebody who had never left the United States until you were in your your adult years, I don't I don't know if you said exactly how old you were, like mid 20s, maybe. I didn't leave besides Tijuana. I didn't leave Mexico. I, I didn't leave the United States until I was 27. Okay. So mid to late twenties, yeah. kind of that yeah. area. I'm curious, like what was that experience like for you? Like what was it like to go to another culture for the first time? Cause I think we also have listeners who, you know, are kind of in the, the camp of, like you were where it's like you want to travel and it's not for a lack of not wanting to go, but you've just never done it. And you've kind of always had this idea that the world is a big, scary place. And obviously you've traveled a lot now, but going back to like 27 year old Heath, you know, what was that first like leaving the country experience like? (laughs) So we got to, we first went to Chiang Mai and it was a good introduction because it's sort of a melting pot, yet you still have a, a massive amount of culture there. But there were other people from around the world. And so it was very easy to transition into there and still experience the culture of the food and the the, the churches. Man, the, the temples, I mean. Like, they are phenomenal. And the energy in general of being around those people, like, I had no idea what to expect. Everybody's like, be really careful. You're going to die out there. Like, you're going to you call, you're going to die. No one's going to know how to find you. It's going to be shitty, man. And, and we get out there and it's like, it's the most beautiful place with the most beautiful people who are so open 
right. And, and like loving, and there's no complex system that, that like separates people there. It's very much a community based type of living and interacting with local people was like, they want you to come. It's not like, here's my restaurant. Come eat. It's like, here's my home. We'll cook you food. Come into this house and we'll make you food, which is one of the beautiful things about Thailand. It's like everybody has a restaurant in their house and you can just go in there and they'll make you like the most phenomenal food ever. And so then just like trying to overcome that barrier or the insecurity of not knowing how to speak any of their language and they're trying to learn how to speak yours and like just knowing that there's that agreement that you both are really interested in the other culture um, and it can be a very peaceful thing opened my mind to everything. I mean, it, it completely removed my, my thought process of freaking out over time, mostly thinking that everything had to have a deadline and everything had to be done. And if I didn't get this done and that done, then the world was going to end. And it opened my mind to the idea of mass awareness. And that was, you know, spending time with a lot of those Zen people and the Buddhist temples. And then you, you absorb that energy and then going over to Cambodia on that trip as well and, and spending many days at Angkor Wat and, and just feeling that energy in the presence and like coming into tuneness with my mind, like in the moment, like nothing mattered there. I didn't have my phone on. I couldn't like look at work stuff. I didn't have my computer. The only thing that mattered was the moment. And I had never felt better over a, a two-week period in my life. And I realized it was because I was actually living for the first time. I was actually paying attention to everything I was doing. I was consciously functioning, but also consciously eating. Like every bite that I took, I was like tasting it and thinking about the texture of it and looking around at like where it came from and understanding like that just came out of these trees that are right here, right? They just pulled that down and made this for us. And um and it's completely different than what you're going to get in a place like Tennessee or Kentucky. And I walked away with the ability to understand how powerful meditation and just awareness of the moment can be, but also the ability to identify how magical other cultures are and how much we can really learn if we start to think like they do. Everyone has benefits to their culture. Um, and I think for the most part, in the Western part of the world, we're very, very, we're very close minded with the way that we think and, and it can be a very sad thing. So the most important thing that I've ever done for myself is to start meditating and to start opening up that awareness. And I think that started when I first went out of the country for the first time. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. And so we, t we talked a little bit about, you know, what was next for your business, but I'm curious where, where to next, what's kind of on your travel bucket list for you next. So I'm going to speak at the unconventional life in Bali in a couple of days and I've never been to Indonesia. So I'm really, really pumped about that. Not just cause it's Bali and all <laughs> that. I know that's kind of a pretentious visitation place for right now, but it's it's a hundred amazing creative nomadi entrepreneurs gathering, and I I went to one of Jules's events in Nicaragua, and it changed everything for me. And so I'm really excited to go out there and spend some time there. And then after that, um, believe it or not, I've never been to Utah, <laughs> and it's one of the three states I've not been to in the United States. So I'm going to spend a lot of February there. 
I'm not going anywhere on January because I'm working on launching this Rage Create business. And my next big trip is going to be all Europe. Nice. Um, I have never really explored Europe other than France. And I wanted to go find, I've got the coordinates like in the little like street that my grandmother's mother was born in and like the house, everything. I got a picture of like what it looks like. And I want to go find that it's like up on the Holland border somewhere. And then I want to explore the rest of Europe too. So I'm really, really pumped about that. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, we're definitely excited to follow your adventures and follow your business and and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, this has been such an inspiring conversation. Thank you so much for your time today, Heath. Thanks, Heath. Thank you all. You guys, you guys are amazing. I want to, I want to give you like a double hug through the screen, but I can't. So I'll have to (laughs) next time I see you in the world somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. One day. And I feel like we've kind of touched touched on like everywhere that people can find you but just so we have it where can people go to find all of your different projects and ventures and that sort of thing ragecreate.com for the domination deck um heatharmstrong.com is kind of my hub and then at heath fist pumps on mainly instagram but also facebook not really much on twitter but uh instagram would be the best direct way to contact me okay awesome thank you so much Yeah, pump up the jam, baby. (laughs) (laughs) To find more information, relevant links, and photos talked about in this week's episode, check out theworldwanderers.com. If you have a question, comment, or feedback, send us an email at info at theworldwanderers.com. Join our community on Facebook at The World Wanderers or on Twitter at WorldWanderers1. As always, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.